ho, ho. Welcome to Kidman Talk. This is Santa Carl, and it is December, so I'm in the mood to give away some Christmas presents to my listeners. I've got a big red bag here filled with Kidman loot, a GoFish VBS, some worship CDs, and a lot of other Kidman goodies. And my elves are just itching to mail them away to my listeners. All you need to do is tweet, send me a present to at Kidman Talk on Twitter, and I'll pick a few and reply asking for your address to mail you a present. That's right. And if you're not on Twitter, then just post in the forum discussion linked in the show notes. Send me a present, and I'll PM you the same. The North Pole has moved to Denver, and I've got to get rid of some loot here. Don't let me down. It's spring cleaning here at the Kidology headquarters. <laughs> All right, enough of the Santa voice. Hey, and everyone who tweets or posts will at least get a free copy of today's sponsor, Christmas Bingo. So let me feel the love and let me hear from you. But now it is time for us to turn to the topic of the day. Are you a thermostat or a thermometer in kids ministry that's going to be our topic how do you set the mood for learning in your children's ministry so now it's time to talk kidman well it is december and i love december it's beginning to look a lot like christmas right the christmas trees are up i've got my lego train around the christmas tree my wife has set up the nativity and decorated so beautifully the christmas music is playing in the stores and people are beginning to shop maybe you have gotten in the mood and you are excited and now the presents are beginning to be set out and maybe it's time for begin Get on the floor to do by the tree something very special trying to guess what they got for you and me that's right shake 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 those presents uh-huh shake those presents maybe it's, oh, maybe shake, it's shake, lego shake 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 or is it, a, is it a jigsaw puzzle? Shake those presents. Oh, they wrapped all those presents very well. What could it be? Don't break it. But if I shake them up, I can tell. Or get an X-Acto knife. Oh, shake, shake, shake. And cut the tape. Shake, shake, shake. Open the shake end. Those presents. Look at the end shake of the box. And re-tape it. Shake, shake, shake. Shake those presents. (laughs) Shake those presents. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Did you ever shake your presents to try and figure out what was inside? No, you never did that. Well, that's another great parody from our good friends at Creative Ministry Solutions. There's a link to that in the show notes if you want to find out about that. But today's podcast is sponsored by Christmas Bingo. It's a very simple, fun uh, filler. You know that preacher, he tends to go over and you need something fun to do as a filler. Or maybe you've got a special Christmas program and you've got to provide child care uh, during the month of December and you just want something fun and easy to do. Download Christmas Bingo. It's a lot of fun. It's a very simple activity uh, that you can do with the kids. And so you'll want to check that out and just have that ace up your sleeve for that extra time or 
extra opportunity that you've got to take care of the kids during the month of December. And uh, and so we have got you covered at Kidology. But today I want to talk about creating the mood. We are continuing our series through the Kids Church Cookbook. Last week we talked about being a chef of the Word of God and how your job is not obviously just to provide childcare, but to be a chef, to be someone who takes the Word of God and makes it exciting, makes it palpable, makes it delicious, makes it awesome and just makes it something that kids are just begging to go to church. Now, when you go to a restaurant, you know, you don't just eat good food. You want to be in a great environment. Now, if you ever get the chance to come to Denver, there is a restaurant that you have got to eat at. Maybe you have heard of Casa Bonita. Now, it is no longer in a great area of Denver. You know, keep your doors locked and your windows up, but (laughs) that's not that bad. Uh, But it once was a great area of Denver. It's in Lakewood. It's not a a super wonderful suburb anymore. Um, Boy, now I'm really making you nervous to go there, aren't I? It's just um, in an older area of town, but the restaurant is amazing. It has more seating than any restaurant in the entire United States of America. It has like over 900 seats. And this place has a cliff divers, has skits, it has this guy in a gorilla costume. Oh, sorry, I ruined it. You thought it was a real gorilla. The whole place is like a Mexican village. Um, and it's kind of like hip if you're in Denver to like rip on the food. I personally think the food's great. I mean, it's several notches up from Taco Bell, okay? It's not a gourmet Mexican food. I think it's great. I mean, you get the chicken or the steak um, uh, buffet. They'll keep bringing you back food. Then they've got these... uh, what is that dessert called? Chalupa? Oh, I'm blanking on the dessert. But you get this dessert. It's like this gooey um, papapillas or something. Anyway, it's just like soft, gooey bread, and you put honey in it, and it's it's just delicious. And and um, it's it's not cheap. It's like a $14 meal, but it's like all you can eat, and it's delicious, and there's lights everywhere, and there's these Bad Bart's caves that you can go exploring, and there's an arcade for the kids, and there's people going around selling all these you know, cool light up things for like 10 bucks, you know, so we bought Luke one once and every time we go, we just take that toy with them and, oh, look, here's the one we bought last time. So we don't have to drop 10 bucks every time we go, but it's incredible. There's like a wishing well with this, like this face down in the bottom that's lit up and it talks. You, You can't even tell what it's saying, but it's just this goofy looking guy. And they recently modernized that. There's like a new dude down in there. He was broken for like five years and it is the exact same restaurant now as when I was a little kid. And nothing has changed. I mean, they still do the skits with a wired microphone, um, exact same skits that they were doing 30 years ago when when I was a little kid. And um, it's a lot of fun. There's these puppet shows, and they are horrible puppet shows. I mean, these puppet shows, if you want to take your puppet team and show them everything not to do, then it's a great puppet training. I mean, as far as the puppets are low, they're looking up in space, the mouths aren't moving with the words, uh, and yet that makes it entertaining. I mean, nowhere else in America can you see such a terrible puppet show, and yet it, it's hysterical. And um, But the environment is incredible. And so anytime we have company come into town, we take them to Casa Bonita. And whenever we ask Luke, where do you want to go? 
he says Casa Bonita. We take him there and we have to drop 30, 40 dollars. Sometimes it's 50 bucks with a tip um, to go there, but it's worth it because of the environment. So we can't go there very often, but it's a special treat. So we go there for birthdays or we go there with company and we don't go there for the food, although, like I said, I, I don't think the food's that bad. I mean, you go on their Facebook page and, you know, people tell, oh, the food of Casa Bonita. It, it, it's not true. It's it's good food. It's Like I said, it's several notches up from Taco Bell. Um, if you want to go somewhere for, like, I don't know, incredible, awesome Mexican food, I, I guess there's better places. But you go there for the environment, and, it, and it's incredible. And you're willing to pay extra because of that environment. People come from all over America. They come to Denver, and they have to go to Casa Bonita. You know, and you want to have a children's ministry like that where people want to go for that environment. But environment is not just about the ambience. It's not just about the decorating. It can also be about the experience. There's an old story that I love about a little boy in the city of Chicago, and he was walking through a blizzard and the snow, and this is a hundred years ago, and a man was out inviting kids to his Sunday school, and he saw this little boy walking through the cold, bitter streets in the winter of Chicago. And so he saw him, and he invited him to his Sunday school. And he said, oh, no, sorry, sir, I'm, I'm on my way to Mr. Moody's Sunday school. And the man said, well, Mr. Moody's Sunday school, well, that's all the way across town. And my Sunday school is just a block away. He said, oh, I'm sorry, sir, I, I, no offense, but I'd rather go to Mr. Moody's Sunday school. And he said, well, why would you rather go to Mr. Moody's Sunday school when, when my Sunday school is only a block away? And this boy answered, because at Mr. Moody's Sunday School, they really know how to love a kid. Now, I love that story. And, and whether it's true or not, you know, we'll never know. These stories take on folklore. I, I, I have a feeling that story is true and it's been passed down. Whether it's true story or, folk, or Sunday School folklore or not, I love the story because I doubt Mr. Moody's Sunday School, which, by the way, became the Moody Church in Chicago down through the years, but I love that story because Mr. Moody did not have a multi-million dollar facility. You know, Wacky World did not come in and create beautiful murals. They didn't have PowerPoint and they didn't have projection. They didn't have, you know, video game systems built into the walls. You know, it was a Sunday school for street urchins. But they loved the kids. All right. It wasn't a Casa Bonita with cave divers and Bad Bart's caves. You know, it, it was just a place where kids felt loved. And so environment is not about how much money you can spend. You can be an inner city church and you can have an environment that a kid will walk through the cold streets of Chicago to get to, all right? And so I want to ask you, are you a thermostat or a thermometer? And what I mean by that question is a thermostat is that little device on your wall in your house where you set the temperature of your house. A thermostat is what determines the temperature. A thermometer is a little device that simply reflects the temperature. You look at it and it tells you if it's 72 or 68 or 85. It, it has no power. It is merely tells you what the temperature is. There are people who are thermostats. They set the temperature. When they walk into a room, the dynamic of the room changes. And there are people who are thermometers. They simply uh, reflect the others in the room. And you could decide you're going to be a thermostat. You're going to set the tone and the temperature and the energy level and the enthusiasm of the room, or you're just going to be a thermometer. 
you're just going to reflect it. If the kids are all wild and crazy or, or down and depressed, then that's what you're going to be. Or you're going to be the person who changes the dynamic of the room. All right. Now, if you're going to do that, I'm going to give you four A's of how to be a thermostat. All right. And these are broken out in chapter two or section two of the Kids Church Cookbook. I also go into more detail in these when I do my Making Your Class Rock workshop. Number one is your appearance. All right. And I hate to say this, and I shouldn't have to say this, it should be obvious, but for some people, they need to hear it. Number one is don't be a bum, all right? I, I have to say this because some people need to hear it, but you, you can't dress like a bum. You need to take a shower. You need to brush your hair. You need to shave. If you look like a bum, you communicate that that classroom and that ministry is not important. You know, you need to communicate by your appearance that this is the most important thing of the week. And if that means getting up early and grooming and shaving or doing your hair or whatever, you want to look your best. I mean, if the president of the United States, if the head of your denomination, if Billy Graham or whoever was coming to your ministry, how would you dress? How would you look that day? Well, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings is showing up at your ministry every week. How do you want to look? And then... What can you do about your appearance to make it kid-friendly? I mean, I wear goofy ties, and I, I own tons of crazy ties. I have hundreds of ties. Now, I'm giving this as an example of what I do, not what I expect you to do. I know ties really aren't in. I, I go to a mega church, and I'm the only man in the entire church that wears a tie. So I understand that ties are kind of out. But this is what I do. And every time I teach, I try to pick a tie that has a tie-in. Get it? Tie-in to my lesson. And and often it's a stretch. And whenever I can't find a tie that fits my lesson, I pick a random tie and the kids are trying to figure out how my tie ties into my lesson. And often they actually come up with something during the course of my lesson. I say something that remotely reflects my tie and they'll come up and tell me, hey, you said this and that's how it ties into your tie. And uh, it's kind of funny when, when that happens. And when they totally never can, then I'll admit it was a random tie. But I'll, I do that with my tie. But sometimes it's a costume. Sometimes it's a goofy hat. If you go into the Kidology online training and watch the video on hats, you'll see I, I own hundreds of hats. I'm always buying hats. I was just out um, vacationing in Breckenridge and there was a store full of hats and I bought five more hats. I bought a deep sea diver hat. I bought a pharaoh um, hat. What else I get? I got like this Buck Rogers hat, you know, and um, I'm always looking for these crazy hats and going, oh, th this, this could fit a lesson someday. And sometimes it's just doing something funny. I think it was Frank Tan. I think I mentioned this before in the podcast that post on Kidology a while ago, a po zone post called Jelly on Your Face, where you just come out with jelly on your face, like you were eating breakfast and forgot to wipe your face, and it gives the kids something to, to laugh about. I think I told the story about the Afro wig and, and how that was made a breakthrough in a little girl's life, so I'm not going to tell that story again. But just doing things that are funny, coming out with a sombrero on one day for no reason. Sometimes just things that make kids laugh and show that you're not one of those adults that drinks lemon juice in the morning and um, and, and just doesn't take life seriously. As David Laughlin said once at a workshop, and I loved it, if you're funny, I mean, if you're happy, can you please notify your face? Because adults in general just look miserable. That's why kids don't want to grow up and be grown-ups because they look around at grown-ups and they look like the most miserable people on the planet. And so you need to do things with your appearance that shows that you love life. I mean, Jesus said he came to make our joy complete. And, and yet you look around at most grown-ups and they do not look joyful. 
And so if you want to be a thermostat, if you want to set the temperature and the mood of your classroom to be one of joy and excitement and that and that life with God is awesome, your appearance needs to communicate that. As soon as they see you, they, they see somebody who's excited to be there and, and happy. The second one is attitude, all right? Your attitude needs to be excited. It needs to be positive. It needs to be upbeat. There needs to be a bounce and a skip in your step. You know, as kids come in the room, what I like to do is celebrate every kid that comes in the room. You know, as a kid comes in the room, I'm like, hey, Bobby's here, and and giving them a high five. I like to tossle their hair and, mess, and then say, hey, your hair's a mess. And you know what? You might think that every kid, as they all come in and you're like, hey, Jimmy's here, everybody, Jimmy's here, that they're going to go, oh, he does that for everyone. But kids are so egocentric. You know, they think the world revolves around them. For the next five minutes, they're going to be like, wow, my teacher was so excited that I was here. They're not even going to notice you're doing that for everybody else. And so you can be so excited about every kid and pause about every kid and so upbeat. Today's going to be exciting. I got the greatest lesson planned for today. We're going to be doing some really neat things. And when your attitude is so positive and so upbeat, and, and this can be difficult because you may have just had a really rough yesterday, you know, and, and I don't know what may have gone on in your life yesterday. You may have had a really terrible drive to church. I mean, yelling at your kids. You may have had an awkward conversation, you know, difficult with your spouse or whatever. And sometimes it really takes prayerfulness to say, God, I need to be whatever I need to be for my kids this morning. Help me to have a good attitude. And sometimes you're going to have to really intentionally set aside whatever burdens are on your heart or on your mind to be able to be whatever you need to be uh, for those kids in that moment. It's not about being fake. I mean, there's times you need to be genuine. There's times to admit, man, you know, I'm having a rough time. Um, but there's also times to be able to set that aside. Paul said he became all things to all men so that they might be reached. And there's times that we need to become all things to all kids so that they might be reached. But the next one is almost going to sound contradictory, and that is awareness. You know, if you're all happy-go-lucky and high-fiving and smiling and cheerful, and, and some kid just found out his parents are getting divorced or his dog just died or his you know, grandma uh, just got diagnosed with cancer or something, and you're all, you know, cracking jokes, and why the chicken cross the road, you know, why didn't the skeleton cross the road, didn't have the guts to do it, and you're all being Mr. Happy, Mrs. Funny, you know, and, and you're completely missing that in the eyes of this child is is pain and hurt, um, you know, there, there's a disconnect there, and you're missing your shepherd's heart. So your job is not to be a funny clown, it's to be a pastor and to be a shepherd. And by the way, even if your title's not pastor. There's a lot of women out there who their church does not allow them to be a pastor in title. Um, it's not about title. It's about what your role is that God gives you. And if you're denied the title of pastor, God still calls you to be a pastor. And you can be a pastor in in your role, in what you do. And God will reward you for being pastoral, even if you're called a coordinator or a director or some other title on your door on your business card you can be a pastor and there's 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 a need to be a a person or or a pastor in spirit who's aware and when you see that child who's hurting and you break out of that positive attitude and you stop and you kneel down and you say hey hey what's going on and they tell you you know well my, you know my my goldfish died i mean which sounds silly but, you know, they've had that fish for three years and they got it on their birthday when they turned six and they're, they're now nine and, and little Flipper was, you know, like their best friend. 
And you say, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. That, that's rough. You say, you know, I pray for you. And you pray for him for a minute. And you acknowledge that. You know, you can go back to being positive and funny for the rest of the hour, but the fact that you broke out of that for them is going to mean so much for them. You can be aware of them. You can break out of that. You can pull aside. And there's times during that hour when you can be walking around and you can be being funny. You can be in a costume, but you can take your arm and you can reach out and you can just kind of give them a little pat on the back. It's a way of knowing that just with that one arm and that and that gentle touch that, hey, you know they're hurting. You you know that, that they're that, that you're, you're still connecting with them and you're aware they're having a rough day. And there's ways that you can you can do that. You know, you can even put anniversaries of, of tough times in your calendar so that a year later, you know, man, it was a year ago today that they lost their parent. And you can be having a lot of fun. You can just go up to a child and say, you know what, I know what today is and, and I'm feeling for you today. And they're going to be like, wow, they, they, they know this. They know that what I'm going through. And uh, so I know today is going to be tough and uh, I'm, I'm feeling for you today. Then you can remain funny and positive and everything, but they know in the midst of all that kind of crazy chaos that, there, that there's a connection because you're aware of what's going on underneath their their smiles and their laughter that, that there's an undercurrent of hurt that's going on that day. The fourth A is aptitude. And this is so important. You need to be good at what you do. You need to study that lesson. If you're up there reading out of a teacher's guide and and you're reading the bold and expecting them to say what's in italics, you haven't done your job. Because let me tell you, the kids don't ever do what's in italics. The teacher's guide is designed to be uh, the best guess at what's going to happen there, and it usually isn't. Okay, The teacher's guide is never to be at church. It is to be home. It is for what you are to prepare. You are to digest that. Then the lesson is to become you. You are the lesson, not the teacher's guide. So you need to prepare at home, and then you need to know it. And then you become the embodiment of that lesson. All right? So I, I do not want you to ever have a teacher's guide with you, all right? You take notes, you can have notes in your Bible, but you need to learn that lesson. You need to be good at it. If you're doing a magic trick, you need to practice that and you need to be good at it. It doesn't mean it's not going to bomb once in a while. When it does, you just laugh. Let the kids laugh at you. Kids are so forgiving. Sometimes a bombed object lesson or a magic trick can be the best thing that happens because it just endears the kids to you. So don't panic. I've, I've had things go wrong and, and it, it, that, that's great. In fact, it's just a great object lesson and makes them feel better about themselves because things go wrong for them, things go wrong for you. So don't, don't, don't sweat the disasters. But what I'm saying is, is that make sure it didn't bomb because you didn't practice. It didn't go bad because you were lazy. All right. We all make mistakes. But the important thing is that that when that happens, it isn't because of a lack of practice. It isn't because of a lack of effort. You be good at what you do and put time and effort and practice into being, being your best. All right. This isn't about being perfect. It's about being the best children's pastor you can be. Learn new skills. Be reading. Be training. Be listening to podcasts. All right. Especially Kidman Talk. Right. So you need to be good at what you do. And when you improve your appearance, when you 
make your attitude positive. When you're aware of what's going on in the kids, when you play the eyeball game, I'll link to that on the, the show notes. So you're looking in the eyes of the kids. So you're aware of what's going on in their minds and their hearts and, and how they're tracking with you. And you are the best at what you do. And you work on creating an environment that is loving and is fun, is an inviting. You become a thermostat that sets a positive mood. Kids will want to learn. They will want to be there. And yeah, if you can spend money and make a great fun room with video games and decorations and a theme, that's great. And in the Kids Church Cookbook Section 2 will explain how to do that. But I don't want you to be looking at other churches that have expensive children's ministry environments and thinking you have to have that to succeed. You don't. I have been in multi-million dollar ministries that were not effective. And I have been in poor churches in the inner city that were effective because they created an environment that was exciting. And you can do that too. That's my encouragement for you this week. And if you do that, you will not only be successful, but you will be as wise as the wise men. Oh yeah. yeah. One more Christmas special as we wrap up this week's podcast. Three kings, good news. We're searching for the king of the Jews. Camels, shiny star. Shiny star. It's leading us from where we are. We follow it just as far as we can See the baby Jesus cause we're three wise men and not a thermometer in your ministry. Remember, ho, 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 I want to give away a bunch of presents. So all you got to do is tweet at Kidman Talk. Say, send me the loot, and I will be sending out some presents to those who either post in the forum or send me a tweet. Thanks again for listening to Kidman Talk. I hope you find it equipping and encouraging because that is, of course, the mission of Kidology.org. This is Carl Bastian. Also, you can email me at carl at kidmantalk.com. I love hearing your feedback. I love interacting with you in the forum. I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. And remember, Christmas bingo is a great 
activity that we have got for you. Lots of links on the show notes page. Until next time, this is Carl Bastian.